Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of John, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is the first Sunday after Easter. And it seems like we always get a continuation of Easter Sunday, the following Sunday after Easter. And sometimes for more than just one Sunday in a row. Because, I mean, on Easter, you know, we have to talk about the empty tomb. Because, Alleluia, Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And so the story we often talk about on Easter is what initially happens with the empty tomb, the earthquake, the stone being rolled away, the angel, the women visiting it, Peter and John seeing it. But there's more that happened that first Easter. We know that Jesus appears to the women. We know that Jesus appears to the disciples, except Thomas, like we heard today. And sometimes we get to hear Jesus on the road to Emmaus appearing to other disciples. And it's almost like there's just too much that happened on that first Easter Sunday that we need multiple Sundays to cover it all. Which would really fit into John's words that you heard in the gospel reading for today. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. And these words sound very similar to the next chapter of John's gospel that he ends with. The last chapter, verse, chapter 21 says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John is telling us that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are not a complete biography or autobiography of Jesus' life. What is included by the work of the Holy Spirit is everything that we need for the foundation of our faith. Everything that is necessary and important for God's people, for his church. If they recorded everything that Jesus did, it would fill the entire world. I mean, that's quite incredible, right? I mean, can you imagine how many books that would actually be? There's obviously lots of filling in the blanks that are done when we don't have all of those stories about everything that's not written. And there are plenty of TV and movies about Jesus' life that do sometimes fill in some of those blanks. And of course, whenever TV and movies are made, you know, they always take some of the liberties with Jesus' life so that watching it it's more exciting. It's more interesting for the audience. I mean, but I would imagine that following Jesus for three years couldn't have been that boring because of all of the miracles, because of all of the sermons, because of all of the confrontations with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You never knew what was going to happen with Jesus. Could those years have been challenging for those who were following him? Yes. Boring? No way. Of course, when you think about Jesus' earthly ministry lasting just three years, 
you might be skeptical as to just how many books could be written about him. Then again, being skeptical about something is nothing new to the story of Jesus. And this brings us back to the gospel reading from John today. On that first Easter Sunday, Jesus appears to the disciples, except Thomas. He's not with them. Now, we don't know why Thomas wasn't with them. This is where we can take some liberties and say, maybe he was out at the market getting groceries for everybody. Maybe he was checking how safe and sound the streets actually were because Jesus had just been put to death on Friday and it was only Sunday, so maybe he wanted to see how the crowds were, how they were feeling. Maybe he was with his wife and kids. Who knows? He wasn't there. But all of the other disciples were in a locked room. Why? For fear of the Jews. Again, Jesus had just been put to death. And we already know that Peter had been called out by the crowds after Jesus had been arrested, and he ended up denying Jesus three times. Maybe for the same reason, for fear of the Jews. Because he didn't want to be arrested like Jesus. So he saves himself while denying his Savior. The, the disciples are scared for their lives and they're in hiding. So where was Thomas? Was he not hiding because he wasn't afraid? Maybe. We could write the story like that if we wanted. Skeptical Thomas? Doubting Thomas? Sure, yeah. Coward Thomas? No way. Whatever Thomas was doing, wherever he was, he missed Jesus coming and standing amongst the disciples, saying, Peace be with you. He missed Jesus showing them his hands and his side. He missed the joy that all of the disciples experienced as they received Jesus in their presence, seeing the resurrected Christ. He missed Jesus breathing on the disciples, giving them the Holy Spirit, and sending them to go and forgive sins, or to not forgive sins. This here is what we call the office of the keys, that special authority that Christ has given to his church, and that authority that the church will always have. Thomas missed it all. And we don't know at what point Thomas returned. And when he did, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Remember, Jesus comes and brings his disciples greetings, brings them peace, breathes, breathes on them, gives them the Holy Spirit, shows them his hands and his side, and the disciples are filled with joy at this. Imagine how excited they must have been to tell Thomas that they had seen the resurrected Christ. And Thomas responds with, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Talk about discouraging. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine the look on the disciples' faces or even whatever words they had after it. I mean, I, I hear something like, 
No, no, seriously, we saw him. Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. Thomas, what is wrong with you? All of us saw him. Why don't you believe us? Even though Thomas didn't believe them, he didn't leave them. Since they had been together for three years, it's possible that Thomas had left behind any family that he had to come and follow Jesus. Maybe he actually didn't have a wife and kids. And so he has these guys, and that's what he knew. That's why he stayed. Thankfully, he stuck around. Because the next Sunday, the disciples, including Thomas, are still behind locked doors in the same place. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again, I don't know exactly how this scene took place, but I can imagine all of the disciples just staring at Thomas as Jesus is standing in the room with them, just waiting in silence, in awe, in anticipation of what's going to happen next. Just like the earthquake and the stone being rolled away breaks the silence of Good Friday, Jesus' words break the silence of everyone in that room as he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. In other words, Thomas, here I am. Check me out. Stop doubting and believe. And you might even see pictures, see paintings of this scene being recreated, and usually you're going to find something like Thomas finger deep in Jesus' side. And I know that Jesus tells Thomas to put his finger in his hand and in his side, but for me, I just don't see Thomas doing it. Because what is recorded is Thomas saying, my Lord and my God. What I picture, what I imagine, is Thomas just dropping to his knees and making this confession of faith before Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my God. That's what I imagine this scene happening. I don't ever imagine him actually touching Jesus. He just declares Jesus his Lord, his God. This is the original reaction that you wanted to see from Thomas after the disciples had told him the news. But it took Jesus appearing to Thomas to get him there. As this is a story that we revisit almost every year, this year I had this thought. Do you think that Jesus appeared to the disciples specifically when Thomas wasn't there? As in, Jesus was waiting for the moment when Thomas left the locked room to go and appear to the disciples. It would make complete sense, because if he had appeared when they were all there the first time, we'd never get these words from Jesus. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas was blessed because he saw the resurrected Christ and he believed. 
but blessed are those who have not seen the resurrected Christ and still believe. We often focus on this verse in the gospel to point out that we are those people who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's great. And that's true. But what if we take a step back and we look at ourselves through the eyes of Thomas and who he is throughout this reading? Can we say that we are Thomas? Can we first say that we are skeptics, that we are doubters? Can we say that we are the ones who will say, I'll believe it when I see it? We need proof beyond a shadow of a doubt. We need physical, hold-it-in-your-hand evidence. Otherwise, why would we believe it? Here's the thing. It's natural to doubt. It's natural to be skeptical. It's natural to question things. That's because we're all sinners. We have this sinful nature inside of us, and it is opposed to God. It is opposed to his word. So when we hear something that we can't see with our eyes, when we hear somebody say, well, just take my word for it, we're going to question it. When we hear someone say, well, just take God's word for it, we're going to be a little hesitant because our sinful selves are opposed to God and his word. Now, for some people, maybe including yourself, it's just not good enough. Take my word for it. Take God's word for it. And that's why you hear I'll believe it when I see it. God loves you. I'll believe it when I see it. Jesus died for you and your sins. I'll believe it when I see it. Jesus rose from the dead for your salvation. I'll believe it when I see it. We're sinners. We doubt. We doubt the truth of God's word. We doubt the truth of God's love for us. We doubt the truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thomas was no different. He was a sinner, and he doubted. Except he saw the resurrected Christ, and it changed everything. We are sinners who doubt, except we haven't seen the resurrected Christ. Has it changed us? Or do we continue in our doubt and in our sin of God, of his word, of his love, of his death and resurrection? If we continue in our doubt and sin and ultimately unbelief, then there is no good news ahead for us. Because all sinners deserve death. All sinners deserve punishment. All sinners deserve hell. And that is why Jesus came. To save us, to rescue us from sin, death, and the devil. To die the death that we deserve. To take hell for us in order to give us heaven. And his resurrection from the dead proves that he is victorious. That he won the forgiveness of our sins. That he won eternal life 
for us. That's why he then gives his Holy Spirit to his disciples. And he gives to them, his church, the power to forgive sins. Because he has forgiven sin. It's not my power that forgives sins. It's Christ's power that forgives sins. Now, maybe you're all sitting there and you don't really feel like Thomas. You've been around long enough. You don't need to see it to believe it. You have faith, believing without seeing. And that's good enough for you. You believe in Jesus' death and resurrection. You're confident in that. You're confident in him. Great. Maybe you're on the other side of the room then. You're like the disciples who are so excited to tell the good news of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for forgiveness and salvation only to be met with the response of, unless I see the marks in his hands and place my finger in the marks of the nails and place my hands in his side, I will never believe. Maybe you're so excited and you go and tell other people the good news, the great news of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, and they say, I'll believe it when I see it. Talk about discouraging. And then you follow that up with, why don't you believe me? Why don't you believe? And that's just it. We can't make anyone believe. We can do everything in our power to convince people that the Bible is true, that the Bible is real, that Jesus really did die on the cross and rise from the dead, but that doesn't mean they'll believe it. Faith is not your work. It's God's work. We cannot make anybody believe. And that's also why Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gift of faith. Faith comes from the Spirit, and faith comes from hearing the Word. If we are like believing Thomas or the believing disciples, it's because we've been given the gift of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit works in us to go and share the good news of Christ with others. And so we go back to the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That is you. That is me. But hey, if you need to see some proof, God has given it to the church. We've seen it this morning. We see it with the word. This isn't just some book, some words on the pages. This is living, active, visible words of God with the power to save. Sure, 
it might not be good enough for some, but that doesn't mean it's not good. We also see it with his sacraments. And today we got to see the gift of baptism. We got to see that the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of God's people with the power to save. We see it when we celebrate the Lord's Supper at this altar. As Jesus comes to us with his body and blood, in the bread and the wine, with the power to save. We see it in Christ's words of forgiveness, his absolution, with the power to save. These are all things that we receive by faith, all of which have the power to save. Because God is present and is at work in all of these things. Why? so that you all may believe and have eternal life. This chapter of John ends with these words. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. As we gather as his church, as his people, we could say it like this. Now, Jesus gave his word and his sacraments in the presence of his disciples, which are written in this book. These things have been written and have been given to us. As we gather in the presence of Christ, he comes to us, makes himself known to us in these same words and sacraments to get rid of our doubt, to forgive us of our sins, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have eternal life in his name. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.